This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Friday, January 21st. And as you turn up this podcast on an early Friday morning, you have to wonder, is Frank Vogel still going to be employed by the end of the weekend with the LA Lakers? That's the big question right now in the NBA. Lakers head on the beginnings of what looks like a brutal six-game road trip at Orlando tonight, then Sunday in Miami against the soaring Heat, who are getting healthy and looking good. Then they travel to the Nets, no Kevin Durant. Then it's down to Philly, where Joel Embiid is, uh, let's just say, playing well. And then it's Charlotte and LaMelo Ball, Atlanta and Trey Young, and they return home on February 2nd. Um. I, I, listen, I was obviously very, very clear on this on uh, on social media after that loss to Indiana where they choked late Wednesday night. You can't fire Frank Vogel. It makes no sense right now. Anthony Davis has been hurt for over a month. Vogel is not the guy who brought in Russell Westbrook. So what are we doing here? Lakers are struggling. They're a game under 500. What do you think they would be <laughs> without Anthony Davis? Take away the second best player from any team. How are they? I mean, look at the Sixers. Until a recent hot streak, the Sixers are a 500 team without Ben Simmons. He hasn't played at all for them. And by the way, the Lakers, I believe, returned three or four of their like 10 rotational guys from last year. They upheavaled the entire roster. And oh, by the way, LeBron and AD are the ones who brought in Westbrook. That is a fact. That's, I mean, you could, the stories have been written about the meeting that they had and I don't know, uh, you know, it's funny, Rob Palinka is catching no heat for this. I mean, let's be realistic. LeBron made this happen. Can LeBron fix it? Well, the problem is, as everybody's tried to unearth, can you, in any way, shape, or form, trade Westbrook for anything? And the answer is one guy, John Wall, who hasn't played yet for the Rockets. But is Houston taking back Russell Westbrook? At this point, you've got to attach something to Russ. It's a mess. Uh, ultimately, they're going to have to figure out something and it's going to mostly involve Russell Westbrook running the second unit. He can still play 20, 25, 30 minutes a night. That's fine. Maybe even more when LeBron's out. But running with the first unit does not make sense. It just doesn't. He doesn't play defense. He's not a team player. He wants his volume shots. I think if he's going to try to get his numbers, do it against backups around the league because that's what Russell Westbrook is right now. And and Vogel benching him down the stretch against Indiana, even though they lost, was the right move. I'm sure Westbrook was pissed off, but that's reality, Russ. Welcome to your mid-30s. And just uh, just to put a cap on this before we get to the NFL, it, it's, it's funny. This is pretty much the same Westbrook that Kevin Durant left in OKC. Yeah, it, maybe he was a little bit of a better scorer, but it's not like he was a much better shooter. He was still a high-volume guy where I've got to have the basketball in my hands. I don't play any defense except try to make steals by reading the passing lanes. I don't set screens. Like, this is not that different of a guy. And you remember the upheaval when Kevin Durant left? It was like, how could he do that to Russ? Like, (laughs) uh, NBA fans, they're so silly. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, let's get to the NFL. Actually, uh, a couple quick shout-outs. First of all, great week of guests 
Rob G making some of these guys happen. Uh, you guys like Matt Mosley a lot, the Cowboys Doomsday podcast guy. You like Mike Jones of USA Today Sports. Obviously, David Baker is now uh, a Street Fire favorite. Good guy pumping up the the podcast. He, he's really sharp. Um, if you listen to the Baker pod, I'm sure you guys are wondering where you're going to do the DraftKings, our new, uh, which is rolling out ads the last two weeks on the pod. I hope you guys are taking advantage of that free money. Yes, free. it's actually free money if you're in one of those three states. I do wonder how many of you are just going to put that uh, bet. If you listen to the ad, you get like a free bet uh, with actual real money that you can win. Literally, they're giving you money to bet. Um, how many of you are going to put on Brady? How many on Rodgers? I, 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 listen, I, I know Baker makes a compelling case, and I'll give out the bets I've already made uh, in a minute at the end. But um, I, I just, going against Matt Stafford here is going to be very popular, and I, I people could get their lunch eaten. I, I know nobody wants to back Stafford here. I'm one, I, think, I don't know anybody else who's really on them. We'll see. Uh, but first, hey, remember I promised you guys I, I, there was a, I had a fun story from over the weekend out here in California. And again, I don't like to bring in politics at all, but I thought this warranted a mention, and I did run it by the wife to make sure I could tell this story. Um, so, you know, we go out to dinner last weekend in Orange County, and it was kind of like a last-minute thing. Where are we going to go? And um, I asked the kids, like, oh, what kind of food do you want? And of course, they're like pasta. You know, kids love pasta. So you know, Jason the Simpleton just goes on uh, the map app, on the phone and I type in like Italian restaurant and I get like a close one and I make sure it has good, st- this restaurant had like four or five, four and a half stars, one of that. And I was like, all right, boom, call them. I was like, do you guys have outdoor seating? That's obviously our top priority. The middle of COVID. Yes. Again, we're sitting outside. Yes. We got outdoor seating. Great. So, you know, we go over to the restaurant and you turn the corner and as you're pulling up, there's this massive American flag. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it you couldn't miss it. It's not like a standard American flag that people have at their house. You know, it's probably like four or five times the size of that. And instantly you see it and you're like, oh, geez. It's one of those places. Okay. All right. Let, let's try to be positive. You know, it's a weekend night out. Let, let, let's keep a positive. So, you know, there's outdoor. There's, we see the outdoor seating, which is fine. There's only like one table taken. And there's still like four or five others. And they have the heat lamps. They're like, all right, you know, American flag aside, I know that can be like a symbol now that is kind of a misguided symbol, but I'm not going to go down that road. At any rate, so we roll up and I got the mask in hand. Kids have the masks. And, you know, this is what you do when you go to restaurants. You wear the mask and then you get to your table and take it off. And uh, you walk into hotels, you're wearing the mask, all this stuff. It's pretty normal. We've been doing it for almost two years. And... We walk up the stairs and the hostess or the manager, whatever this guy is, rolls up and I go, you guys, these outdoor tables aren't taken for reservations. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're totally available. But you know what we don't do here? We don't do masks. And between the American flag and this like first sentence out of his mouth, we don't do masks. You can go ahead and get rid of them. It's like, oh, geez. And so, you know, we're like. Oh, he's like, yeah, no mask here. We do not need the mask. It's all good or whatever his saying is. Uh, and then my wife, who is, you know, very smart and funny, goes, I thought you guys were all about freedom. And the guy is kind of taken aback. I guess he's used to people just falling in line and says something along the lines of, yeah, our kind of freedom. And 
Our, our version of freedom. Our version of freedom. And at that point, I kind of stopped. I was like, okay. Okay. Uh, and, you know, then he hands the menus to us. As we're sitting down, he turns to go inside. And he says to me, kind of on the side, yeah, oh, my, uh, the owner would kill me if he came and saw anybody wearing masks. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Um, and then he, for whatever reason, says, like, thanks, sweetie. As we're taking off the masks and then walks inside. And my wife's like, we're not eating here. And we just kind of got up. It, it was one of those weird moments where it's like, wait, in two years, nobody's told us you cannot wear masks even walking to your table. And it was like, it's just one of those weird moments. So I waited behind, wife and the kids go to the car and I tell the guy, yep, we're, we're going to take off. He's like, okay, I understand. And I just, we left. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, man. You know, this is where we are. This signaling, like basically putting up the American flag as a, hey, there's a no mask zone. And to say like you can't wear masks is really idiotic. I took a peek in the place and you know how a lot of tables are kind of spaced out. So you're not right up on top of each other when you're talking. This place did not have that. And I was just like, oof, you know, this is just a COVID den. It's, I mean, it did not look... Yeah, it did not look like a place you'd want to just be eating wall-to-wall packed in like sardines. Now, 2018, who cares? But now, with this stuff spreading so bad, like, nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. And it was just one of those weird, almost sad moments, you know? It just felt a little depressing. Like, we've gone up to restaurants, and I get it. Like, the hostess not wearing a mask, the waiter's waitress is not masked. That's fine. I get it. But to tell people you can't wear the mask, that's a little troubling. You know, and I, I'm one of those weirdos who's always wondering, like, damn, are these people screwing with my food? You know, I, I am. I know a lot of people don't. So I'll never forget when I was in college, you know, we were kind of broke college kids. and We order food and we wouldn't really tip the pizza guys much. And eventually one of our roommates was like, why aren't you guys tipping? You know, they're going to if you keep ordering from there and you don't tip, they're going to mess with your food. And I had never really thought about that because growing up, you know, my mom basically cooked like six days a week. So we didn't order out a lot. Um, And it was one of those things where, damn, I get that. And then you go to these restaurants and if the people are real strange like that at the door and just getting all up in your business with like take off your mask. Like I, I just I don't know. We didn't feel comfortable. So we went elsewhere and actually found a great spot that was that was delicious. But enough of um, COVID 2022 stories. Let's get to the NFL weekend. The lines are pretty much locked in. Uh, first game up is Bengals-Tennessee. I told you guys earlier this week I bet Tennessee minus three. It's up to three and a half. I, I doubt we'll see a four. Uh, I had a guy on Instagram uh, on the DMs try to convince me about the over, uh, over 47. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from Tennessee. Like there's, there's two games I don't really – I don't know what to expect. And Tennessee-Cincinnati is one of them. Like Cincinnati just won at home like barely – Joe Burrow, first road playoff game. Bengals, you know, don't have much outside of Burrow and Chase. Uh, Mixon's okay, but this is a good Tennessee front. Um, Tennessee is, I think they have eight wins against teams that made the playoffs. I, I'm pretty sure that's the highest in the league. Or, or maybe it's eight wins over teams that are over 500. But either way, the Tennessee Titans have done like real good damage this year. And I know they played down to their competition a lot, so I can't take the Bengals here. Uh, or I'm sorry, I can't take Tennessee at three and a half because they've won uh, six games, Tennessee has, by a field goal or less. So like, 
Are they going to play their best and uh, Vrabel's going to coach them up against uh, Buffalo and Casey? Oh, of course. And then what happens against like the Jets? And I know they're down some guys and um, they also look pretty rotten against the Texans. And I know, again, down A.J. Brown. And it's just tough to handicap this team. They seem fully healthy. So I, I guess I would say if you can't find a three, maybe, you know, good luck if you want to take three and a half. But I, I took the three out and I would, you know, consider them in a teaser. Teasing through zero doesn't do a lot. I don't see Cincinnati winning this game. I don't see them going from dregs of the league to AFC championship in a year. Um, you know, this is not really relevant to the game, but the franchise. Cincinnati's never won a road playoff game in the history of the franchise. I, just to put that in perspective, Mark Sanchez won four in two years with the Jets. Like, that's, that to me is crazy. It's just insane that the Bengals have never won a road playoff game. Anyways, I think the, uh, I think the Tennessee Titans win. Um, I, I can't give them the, oh, they're going to blow them out. I could, it could happen, but I, I do. Tennessee doesn't really, yes, they blow, blew out KC 27-3, but they don't always crush bad teams. Even look at that late, late season game. I know no Derrick Henry, but they're leading the Texans like 28-3, and they kind of fall asleep and take their foot off the gas and, why would they do that here? I don't remember. They laid an egg last year at home in the playoffs against Lamar Jackson. Took an early 10-0 lead and then had like, I think like 80 yards of offense the rest of the game and lost. And, you know, we are talking about Ryan Tannehill here. So, uh, buyer beware. The second, uh, the Saturday night game, I kind of love 49ers, Packers. The good news is it sounds like Garoppolo is going to play. He was limited in practice Tuesday. Full practice Wednesday and Thursday. The shoulder, the hand, the real concern now is how does a guy who's never played in a game where it's colder than 32 degrees go in injured to Lambeau and it's supposed to be like seven degrees or three degrees at kickoff, some insanely low number at Lambeau Field. Never played in a game below 32 degrees. And now he's going to play in freezing temperatures while injured? I don't know. Otherwise, I like the Niner. what the Niners can do here with Debo and Kittle over the middle and their front four should get pressure on Rodgers. I don't like the matchups against Devontae Adams. But overriding sense here is if you look at the season-long numbers, the 49ers are the better team. I know that nobody would, nobody could credibly argue that they're better, but the over the course of the entire season, net yards per play, DVOA defense, DVOA overall, special teams, like the Niners are better. The Packers have not destroyed teams. I mean, look at that game against the Browns. Baker throws four interceptions. And it's still Cleveland down two, driving for maybe the game-winning field goal. I think, how does that happen? You know, LaFleur gets all this credit. Oh, he's such a great coach. It's got Aaron Rodgers. You know, LaFleur, late game playoffs, we'll see. I mean, he did get choked out badly by Shanahan two years ago in the NFC title game where they threw the ball, I think, famously eight times with Garoppolo. Uh, and then Garoppolo uh, beat them another time in the regular season. And then they lost by two the late Rodgers drive this year. Six is a lot. Um, you know, if, if you know, Garoppolo somehow doesn't play, obviously a huge edge for the Niners, but uh, I'm sorry, for the Packers, because Trey Lance will have no chance, as we talked about earlier this week. But uh, feels like if you want to tease any team this weekend, Green Bay's got to be involved. If you think they just win at home, should be noted. Aaron Rodgers has never beaten the Niners in the playoffs, and Aaron Aaron Rodgers has had his issues in the postseason, um, especially in the NFC Championship game. And I know it's weird stuff happens, the onside kick in Seattle, uh, 
uh, there was a, a bad New York Giants loss where they were, I think, 15-1. and one, And, you know, is there some rust coming off the, uh, the bye week? Uh, Niners' third straight road game. Remember, they had to go to the Rams, win that just to get in. And they go to Dallas, survive. And now they go to Green Bay. Like, it's a lot. It's a, it's a real tough game. I would just say, you know, if you're looking for two teams to tease, I think the Saturday ones are probably safest. Tennessee and Green Bay, I think, win those games. I'd like to see the Niners for, for some futures bets that I made uh, when I went to Vegas to sign up for the contest. I had Niners to win the Super Bowl would be awesome for me. Uh, would be excellent. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Another team would be excellent is the Rams. And uh, if you just say it out loud, Matt Stafford takes down Tom Brady in Tampa to reach the NFC Championship game. It's tough to like say that and speak it into existence because nobody thinks that. Matt Stafford won his first playoff game. Tom Brady has 9-0 in his last nine divisional round games. 9-0. His last loss, by the way, because I need another Jets reference, was to Mark Sanchez and the Jets 28-21. I remember that game like it was yesterday. Sean Green... Around the end, I think it was on third and one, 20-yard touchdown run, and then lays down in the end zone and does like he's laying down poolside. It was like, it was just epic. I, I remember, um, I think that was 2010. Yeah, so my wife was pregnant, and I remember watching it in Pennsylvania. We had the fireplace lit. I had a buddy over, and I was just absolutely freaking out. It was just awesome. I mean, again, we're the Jets. We don't really, <laughs> we don't do it. We don't have a lot of playoff success. And that win was everything. That was probably one of my, I don't know, 10 favorite sports wins ever, uh, beating Brady in Foxborough. And it was Mark Sanchez doing the job too. Um, but again, and, and I wrote about this for FoxSports.com. I t- we t- Baker and I went at this over and over. This is just, I don't think this is as good of a Tampa team. Clearly not as good as they were last year in the playoffs. Clearly not as good as they were in like October when they had Antonio Brown and Godwin and Fournette was healthy. Um, and this Worf's injury is significant. And then you just look at the... I know people want to say, oh, they just murdered Philly. Just It doesn't even matter. Like Philadelphia not was not good. I, I can't believe I uh, even thought they had a chance of money line. But look at the opposing defenses Tampa's faced. 31st in the league, according to Football Outsiders. The last time they faced a top 10 defense was the Saints. It was 9-0. The Saints, what do they do? They put Lattimore on Evans, they get pressure up the middle, and they try to make sure that Gronk is not killing them. What can the Rams do? Well, they got Aaron Donald up the middle. They got Floyd and now Von Miller. Von Miller was not in the earlier game, by the way. Neither was Odell Beckham. Um, And then you put uh, Ramsey on Evans. And I can there's a scenario for me where this game goes under. And the Rams kind of just are able to pull away. I mean, if you, I'll never forget this one either. Thanksgiving 2020, we were on a little, um, we went to the desert out here with some friends Thanksgiving weekend. And, you know, we're watching the game and like an idiot, I had Tampa. And I, I, I mean, it was just Jared Goff, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods just eating. I think Goff threw for like 380 yards or 400 yards and, and Cooper Cup got whatever he wanted. And guess what? The secondary from Tampa is not any better than it was last year. It's just not. 
And you saw Stafford carve him up earlier this year. I mean, Dean and um, spacing on the other guy, Carlton David, they're, they're just not that good. And the reason is because they're hung out on islands because the, the front four can't get pressure. JPP, go look at his numbers this year. Terrible. So what do they have to do? They have to blitz. And now I will take Cooper Cup against any of those Tampa defensive backs. Last week, they looked great against Philly because guess what? What are you worried about? Hurts ain't making the play. He's got happy feet in the pocket. He was rushing everything. I mean, they they even slowed it down. I think uh, it was Dan Orlovsky pulled the clip and put it on about how he had Quez Watkins wide open early in the game, deep, no safety. And Hurts just didn't want to make the throw, pulled it down and ate a sack. Stafford ain't doing that. Again, I know people think, like to clown on Stafford. That's fine. I mean, you never want to say a game can define a guy's career. But for a dude who has one playoff win, it was last week. Played in Detroit. Everybody hailed him. Oh, he's the number one pick. He's got a great arm. This is the game. Go into Tampa, beat the defending champs, send Brady home, and nobody can say anything about Matt Stafford anymore. You never want to overreact to one game, but this could be could be the game for Stafford. I, I like the Rams. Have them on the money line. This will be a big swing game for my, <laughs> for my NFL season. And then wrapping it up Sunday night, a great one. Um, oh, by the way, Rams, Bucks. Remember how I started that girls basketball league with another dad? Of course, one of our games is during Rams Bucks. So uh, my assistant coach, who is a massive 49ers fan, um, maybe I can get him to coach. If hopefully the 49ers show well, maybe even win Saturday night. He's in a giddy mood, and he can just handle everything while I'm watching the game on the sideline because I'm really all in on the Rams. And everybody has a buck, so it's kind of good feeling like, hey, it's me against the world. Uh, anyways, Buffalo and KC in the final game. A lot of people on Buffalo drove this down. I thought getting two for Kansas City was was great. I thought it would head up, but it seems like everybody's on Buffalo. Pros, casuals, everybody who's betting this game likes the Bills. No surprise, right? Uh, score 47 on Belichick. Don't punt. Perfect game. Already beat KC once. You know, maybe this is it. Maybe Buffalo rolls in here, wins, and then they'll, uh, they'll go to Tennessee in the AFC Championship, and I think they'd definitely be favored by, I don't know, three, three and a half maybe? Over the Titans, uh, the only problem is, uh, as as we talked about with um, Baker yesterday, I just the Tre'Davious White injury will loom massive, just enormous uh, for the Bills. I, I just I know the safeties are good and the linebacker Milano is great. If they're also great, why did Travis Kelsey kill this team in the playoffs last year? I think he had like twelve catches on like sixteen targets for like a buck twenty touchdown, like. You've got all the players that you want. You're built to handle the Chiefs. And now Tredavious White goes down and you got a seventh rounder on the outside. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for the prop numbers to show up for me. Cole Hardman, Pringle. One of those guys is going to go off. That's for sure. Maybe Tyreek Hill does too. Feels like a shootout. I know some people are on the under. I think that's super risky. But there is the case of familiarity. They played last January. They played in a monsoon in October. If memory serves, that October game had like some kind of power outage or lightning stoppage. It was crazy. Um, And I think there was like a sense like it's going to slow down Buffalo's momentum because they're killing Kansas City. But, uh, sorry, and now there's the third matchup basically in 12 months. You don't get that often. Um, So there is a case for the under there, right? They they know each other so well. The defenses at this point know what Allen and Mahomes want to do. I just don't think Buffalo can get stops. And then on the other side, it's like, well, KC's not great, but Chris Jones didn't play in the earlier meeting. He's our best defensive player. 
uh, I think it was Ingram's first game. Um, they were still playing, and I wrote about this for Fox. They were still playing Sorensen, the safety, like heavy snaps. And I went into the pro football focus numbers, and this is crazy. Um, Sorensen lined up in the slot 14 times. So if you go then look at where Josh Allen targeted, he basically came to the line of scrimmage, looked for 49, found him isolated against Diggs, Sanders, or Dawson Knox, and said, I'm going at you. You know how like uh, pick up basketball, you go to the courts, you find out pretty early like who's the weak link on defense, you call for the screen and get that ISO against that weak guy, take him to the hoop, there has to be help, then you kick it to the open guy for shots. Or if they don't help, he just sco- your star scores. Well, the Bills went at Sorensen. He gave up the most yards he's given up all season, 114. I mean, if you look at the YouTube video of that game, Sorensen got so lit up. You felt bad for the guy. Like, he's just trailing on every play. Uh, his, uh, I think t- Honey Badger was like arms extended. Like, bro, what are you doing? Multiple times in the game. It was bad for Sorensen, you know? And since then, he I don't know if you want to say benched, but he's been reduced to like a largely reserve role. They, and look at his numbers. Again, this is deep in the pro football focus weeds, but this is what you got to do to win a gambling. And you look at Sorensen's numbers. They almost don't line him up in the slot. It's like five snaps a game, six snaps, seven maybe. For that game, it was 14. If you look, it has never been close to that. It might have been 12 one week when someone was hurt, but in games that mattered, like, and the defense got better. It also helped to get Jones and, and Frank Clark is playing better. I just... We're, we're judging Kansas City too much on those early season struggles. And, and I think they're the side here. So I'm on the Chiefs. I, I need the Chiefs. I, I want the Rams more than anything. And, and, you know, if you're looking for a teaser, I think uh, I think Tennessee and Green Bay makes sense. I don't have any totals, nothing first half. But um, we also do this show, uh, Fox Bet Live. We're doing one tomorrow before the games and then Sunday as well. And I gave out three props Sunday before the games. And they went 3-0. Kind of obscure props, but again, you got to wait till like two days before to see the real numbers. I mean, yes, some open in Vegas. I'm not living in Vegas. I can't bet those. So what they do is the lines then settle, and every other shop will post the settled lines after they've been hit. So you're not getting the best number, but the best number available to you, you know? Um, So we'll post those uh, probably on IG stories where I know you guys love tales of um, hashtag dad life. Uh, all right. It's been a great week and hopefully a great weekend of NFL. I hope Frank Vogel doesn't get fired. He might. Uh, Lakers have two primetime games next week on uh, nationally televised games against Brooklyn and Philly, not back to back Tuesday and Thursday. Um, it'll be a big week. And then they, February 3rd, they come back. They have a big game against the Clippers. Then they have the Knicks, uh, at home, February 5th. Um, uh, by then, February, we're at Super Bowl, we're Valentine's. It's like, man, this year's already just cruising by. Everybody have a safe weekend. Talk to you Monday.